This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing Warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pop, and I have a very special episode planned for you guys. This is a repeat episode of last week's episode, uh, which disappeared and got sucked into the warp. And with me I have Jeff in control, GW man, Robbins, Robinson. <laughs> Almost there, Pablo. Almost. Thanks for having me. Almost got uh, Sean Abuse Puppy Morgan. Hanging with the captain. And Sean, captain of the ETC, Naden. Oh, if it's a repeat, aren't I, Steve, Hamper- Steve Hamperine? You you can be whatever you want, Sean. You earned it. Batman it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh... I'm Sean- Batman. <laughs> um... <laughs> Last week, if you guys caught, if you guys were one of the lucky few people who actually listened to the episode, uh, I I talked with Val and Steve about their their trip to the ETC and kind of how things went down. Um, unfortunately, my audio went missing. I do apologize for that. That's something that we're looking to fix right now. Um, it shouldn't happen in the future. Uh, but I, I doubled down Steve and turned him into the captain of the ETC team. And we're gonna pretty much have the same episode. We're gonna talk to Sean about his ETC experience, and then we'll probably talk a bit of ITC. Um, I do have a little bit of a tournament question for Sean. So I was just in a tournament recently, and I want him to maybe rub off some wisdom. So I tricked him into talking about himself so I could greedily get a hold of him and maybe get some 40K knowledge. We'll see if that works out at the end. Uh, but in the meantime, Sean, why don't you just give us a rundown for people who don't know about what it's like to travel to Croatia and play for the U.S. ETC team? Cool. Uh, Croatia was beautiful. We spent a couple of days exploring the coast, taking pictures where they film Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Um, it was a really nice country, really friendly. Um, definitely probably one of the best places I've visited doing ETC. Um, and then the venue itself was far and away the best we've had for ETC. It was like a big old stadium. AC was booming. Tons of people. Big crowd. Um, it was great. We had a great time. Okay. Uh, what what were like what were some of the big improvements from oh first off, how many ETCs have you been to? Uh this is the third one I've been to. Okay. Uh and what were some of the biggest changes and um were, do you think the other ETCs do you think they're problems that cuz I know they change venues every year, they change countries every year. Um so do you think that in the future they'll just keep improving them or we're we just going to always have a random ETC every year? Um 
It's a bit of both because it, it's a, it's run on a bid system from various countries. Will be like, hey, we want to host this year. This is what we're offering, and so I think I think each year is as the consumer base, basically the players, because they basically pay for everything. It's in the the tournament fees and this, that, and the third. As they see a better event, then they expect the next one to be better. So last year was pretty pretty well done, the venue and such. And this year took it to the next level in terms of venue, in terms of terrain. So next year it'll be in Serbia, and they've run it before. And I've heard from past members that they do run a good event, and the space is nice. Um, and I think now that the terrain was raised to a new level, then they're going to follow suit on that too. So next year should be good as well. Right on. Uh, and then right. the last time we had you on, uh, you were you were very hesitant to talk about the ECC lists and teams. So now you're free to talk about all of it. Uh, hopefully you're free to talk about all of it. Um, one question I had for you was, was Ganyo's list. So, so what, what went into the decisions with all the lists is, is the main question, but specifically Ganyo's list, um, because Ganyo's list was a little bit of an oddball list and then he ended up not performing well. So was that just kind of like Ganyo got stuck with the dregs or, or did, is that what he, exactly what he wanted to run? You guys felt like that was something that you needed in your team? Uh, he was definitely stuck with the dregs. He was super depressed and also kind of what we wanted him to run. Um, so kind of balled into that. Uh, some of it came to do with, for a while, we thought he was going to play Tau. So we weren't really using that many of the Imperial sources at all. And so we told Tony to just, like, take all the Imperials and make the most broken, god-awful list you can come up with. <laughs> and he did, but he used basically, like, the three best Imperial sources. So then when we we dumped Tau late in the process and I was pretty happy with Tony's list and sure it kind of sucked all the sources, but I felt like it was a bedrock list cause it was so over the top. You could just be like, well, whatever, whatever it falls into, it'll, it'll probably do fine, which is how I kind of like to do, um, stuff for teams is to have something that's just like so over the top that you can always just rely on it when things go to shit. And so then we had to kind of come up with a list for Ganyo and we decided to go skew because the missions, especially some of the later missions really favor. Um, we felt they favored like hordes. Uh, we didn't account for the fact that most of the European countries are averse to hordes. Um, for example, the Russians told us that in their meta, you play three, four hour rounds and you basically play gun lines because otherwise mm -hmm. you won't, you won't finish your games. So like there, they were more small amount of armies. They couldn't believe that anyone could play. They're like, we, we don't understand how anyone can play four hours and complete a game with hordes, much less the two and a half hours you guys play with <laughs> in the States. And we were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> They said, uh, I, if, you come, if, you, if you come to Moscow and don't play with a chess clock, you won't <laughs> finish your games. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, so we didn't really quite account for that in the meta. So we thought we having a, a super horde counter list was going to be valuable, and it ended up being a little less than that valuable. But it fell into, like, a closet apple 
list where like nights because we only took one night list instead of two because a lot of teams took the regular night list and the chaos night list Ganyo's list became like the apple they couldn't resist so we could if they <laughs> if we threw Ganyo out early as a defender or if they defended with knights and we just threw Ganyo at it they couldn't resist taking him and yeah he was going to lose the matchup but it got their night lists out of the way which made pairings easier after that so like it it fell into a niche and um he played like a champ took it on the chin and uh and never gave up hope and in the last round he actually 20 would a eldar list that we had penciled in as a zero so <laughs> he brought it in <laughs> yeah well, that's a rough role to be playing on the team is having to take those hard losses time and time again. That's I got you really got to respect a guy who can do that and still pull out a win later. Yeah, no, he, he, that that was definitely one of the keys this year is that uh, um, our guys that got bust they they fought tooth and nail. They never they never uh, went on tilt and you know gave up. It, and do you feel like that's something that's important? Like, do do you need an apple list? And if so, does does that list even matter? Like, could you just run whatever you want, or, you know? I mean, I don't think you could run whatever you want. You still want it to have like a role if it gets the right role. Because if if teams had brought multiple hordes, you could probably get it into a horde and get a twenty out of it. You mm -hmm. know. I see. So like, if you have an like, we couldn't plan it at being an apple list. It that sort of just happened. I see. And um. We wanted the list to do something. We knew it would be weak against a lot of other things, but we wanted it to do that one thing really well so we could maybe bully certain matchups. Mm. In the end, it actually reversed and allowed us to be like, Hey, don't look at me! <laughs> <laughs> let, let other teams think they were bullying the match, match instead, I guess. Right, but, give them some bait. What was the yeah. uh, thought process that went into allowing... I mean, allowing is kind of a funny word because Nick really likes his list, but Nick Rose's list is like, it was obviously the only one like that. Super weird. Um, he's going to take something similar to that to Nova. He feels very good about it. But what role did you guys get talked into with that, and and, and uh, how did it function? Um, that came about post post that he we had had him on Nids heading into Adepticon, and he was playing the Flyrant build that was very popular from Europe and filtered over here and this, that, and the third. And he was playing that. And then obviously the big FAQ changes came and then he couldn't really find something for a while. He was trying to like various different people with our think tank group. We're trying to, some people were advocating Carnifexes. Some people were advocating this and he was, he did a lot of testing, a lot and a lot of testing. He played a lot of games and he couldn't really find anything that's happy. And then what, late one night he messaged me and was like, what about this list? Am I crazy? And it had like 150 models. And I was like, no, you're not crazy. <laughs> put more model, put more models in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause it's a, an insane number of bodies on the grounds. So then he put even more models in and then added zoanthropes and stuff like that. And for a couple, like a couple of our, our players were like, like, especially not a body was like, I just don't, see how it works it's it's <laughs> trash it's garbage and then like we put we had some people put it on the table and then it seemed to function and then we were like oh maybe it does work and then you know he took it to an event he was doing well 
Um, he had to leave the event because he had a tragedy in his family, but we felt pretty good with the list. And um, it definitely caught off a lot of teams off guard over there. And it uh, it worked. I mean, it really worked really well. Hmm. Um, especially in, like, early rounds, him and Tony were, like, our the bedrock in um, in pairings because we could just were like, yeah, you're just going to win. It doesn't really matter what they play you against. Uh, so, so before we go on to the the round pairings, because that's definitely those are great stories in themselves. Um, back to Copac's list, uh, you guys definitely created like the the list that people are all gunning for and and that listing now. Um, did Tony Copac was that just something that you gave to Tony? Like, listen, you're the best player. You're gonna play this list, or was that just an army that Tony was comfortable with? I mean, a lot of it's stuff he's been playing with all year, like yeah. Guard and then Blood Angels. And then, um, I mean, some of the stuff is like we have a couple couple of guys on our team, I think, are play testers. So, like, they would be like, we can't talk about anything, but, you know, in a couple months, maybe we'll talk about something and we'll be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to like process that information when I can't have any information, but, um, you know, so they, they felt knights were strong and knights are strong. Knights are strong in themselves, but obviously with the CP farm and the blood angel captains, it's, it's really, it's a strong list. No doubt about it. Um, and you can see that in like the Nova invite now, where it seems like a bunch of guys are going to be playing that list. And, um, Yeah. It's, it's good. It's definitely very powerful. Like you'll see, you're seeing it in tournaments all across the country and even in other countries. It's just sort of that's that's a thing a lot of people are bringing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't, if you don't mind, I'm a little bit personally curious, and I know we have some listeners who probably are as well. Uh, so I'll speak for Val also at the very least. What is it that pushed you guys away from Tau? Uh, I did see a fair number of. Uh, other ETC teams bringing Tau armies for one purpose or another. What what pushed it over the top for you guys and made you not bring it? Um, I think a lot of it is that I mean Ganyu did a lot of testing with it and then he just felt it couldn't win missions. Mm. Um, because uh, ETC like similar to ITC I guess, but like it has Maelstrom cards. You have to go out and take space, and Tau don't really do that. No, and then there's progressive ahead. missions, so they're not going to really do well in progressive missions. Um, so there, there's, there's a bit of that. That, that was one of his main okay. concerns. Um, yeah, that Were was. Were there main any concern. builds in particular that you, you had sort of like narrowed down on, but eventually abandoned, or? Yeah, we pushed the envelope for sure with like fire warrior spam. And stuff like that, and then we mm. felt that it just it just couldn't do the missions well enough. Um, early in testing, he had done a lot of the builds that that did end up being there, like the Riptide heavy builds and stuff like that. Um, mm. We felt okay with some of those, and we probably could audible to them, but we just didn't. He just didn't feel super confident with it heading into the missions, and he had played it a lot, so we we felt just audibling off it was probably our best our best bet. Um, Tao ended up actually giving us a lot of fits in pairings. Um, really? Yeah. Well, all that strength five on the the infantry hordes, yeah. So it, it, that that part was interesting. Where like we chose to not bring Tao because we didn't feel like it was good enough, but then in turn, 
during <laughs> pairings every every round would be like, Ugh, none of us want to play the Tao, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so we just kind of fed Kurt to them a lot, or fed them to Tony. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, so, so uh, for the listeners who don't know, uh, your first game you played France, uh, you won by one point. Um, now in ETC, you actually that actually means you, you scored 11 points on them. If I is that correct? Like yeah, we had 87, so they would have had whatever. Yeah. 76. Yeah, yeah. 76. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. 120 minus 87. Uh, I, mean, I was yeah. I was told yeah. that there was some a uh, little bit of a strife and stress. Uh, hundred yes, a little bit of strife and stress in between the in on the USETC team, and you gave everyone like a master pep talk. Um, so if we were in the locker room, then what would we have heard? I don't know if I made made a big pep talk before France. Um, I might be getting my I might be getting my time. It might have been like after or before Poland. I don't know. No, yeah, I, 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 I felt we had to talk before Poland, but not before France. France we'd prep for for like weeks. Okay. Um, I think at most I said, "Hey, we're here. Let's let's start. Let's get going." Were you, you guys know. really confident against France? Uh, we were, and we felt they were a strong team because they're a strong team every year. Um, some of our players had were, were like, uh, why do we have to start with a hard road?" And I never feel there's anything wrong with that. To me, I felt if we get a strong round one play team, you know, maybe we'll get an easy round two, and that to me was more valuable because. You know, you only have like an hour to prep for round two each day, whereas we've, like I said, we knew France was our opponent for three weeks, so why not have three weeks to prepare for a hard team um, versus an hour? So I felt pretty good about that. Um, we felt pretty good at leaving pairings, and you know, they did too, which was kind. Of- <laughs> So that's always tough. Like, they felt they had done pairings well. We felt we had done pairings well. And then I guess it, we both kind of did because then things were really close. Um, so did you? Was it one of those last-minute games where you guys had to rely on one table to score? Or or did you guys kind of already know going in, we're just biting your nails, hoping France didn't get a couple more points or something? Um, well, I think we went both ways because we – they picked Tony to fight Tao and we apparently they thought Tao would just beat Tony. And we felt that on that deployment, which is the spearhead, whatever the one is pointy D hammer and anvil. So super long deployment that they could never get to the night before the night killed all the Tao shooting. So yeah, I, I would not have favored Tao in that matchup on. So they favored Tao. They favored Tao in that matchup. And Tony got a 20, so that was no Damn. good. Um, we had a couple, like, Ganyu's game, we were felt he was favored in, and then apparently Dice went crazy in that game, and even his opponent was like, geez. So, <laughs> and that got flipped. But we felt that that was in Ganyu's favor, but maybe, like, not a huge win. And then he just got dumpstered. And so did Chester. Chester, Chester and Ganyu's games really got flipped. So, like, if things had gone more towards our projections, we probably would have won by a lot more. Those two games went low, 
and that's what made it close. But I think halfway through their round, things went upside down for them because they had favored the Tau player against Tony, and they had favored the Nurgle player against me. And then when I killed like 70, 80 Plague Bearers on turn three, they, they literally were, were like losing their minds. And <laughs> Did I see? I thought I saw Chester got a couple Kalexuses in his pairings, right? Uh, playing against Kalexuses? Yeah. Uh, I think that was the one round, and we thought he could play around them, but apparently not. Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. I, I was good. I made a mental note to ask you guys what happened there because it was like, yeah, you can you can think you can play around a Kalexis, but I guess like if you ever if you take a spam list like his or a smite spam list like his, that is like it's a hard counter. It's really rough. Yeah. I mean, he, he also cultists, had two, I guess. He could have put like a he had so many bottles, Zangors and cultists that you would think he might be able to clear them, but I don't know. Then it hides behind a wall, though I guess, but. Yeah, but then it's not blocking the smite. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was too busy trying to kill 150 plague bears, so I never really <laughs> checked in. <laughs> well, you did it. Yeah. And I heard Werner did a really great job getting all all of you guys on the same page. Uh, is it? You, are you allowed to talk about like strategy? Like, coaches allowed to be like, "Hey, you need to score 12 points because Nick is down points," or? Or is it, do you have to be yeah, everything yeah. You can't. You can't. You specifically can't talk strategy. Okay. Like you can't be like, hmm. "Hey, you should go get that objective." You okay. <laughs> but you can talk about, "Oh, we need you to push for more points because this game is going to shit," or this, that, and the third. Hmm. Um, so you you can talk team strategy, but not game advice. Correct. Um, that makes sense. And I think only. Only he and I can talk to players. Like, the other players aren't supposed to talk to each other. Huh. But I'm also playing, so I don't always have time to be talking to players. So, Werner, yeah, was, he was doing a great job um, keeping everybody abreast of what we needed, especially as rounds got close and tight and things like that. Nice. And there yeah. were four-hour rounds, right? Yeah, it's four-hour rounds. Yeah. Did, did you feel like four hours was too much time, or, or was it just the right amount of time? No, it's still, I mean, human beings fill time. That's, that's true. That's natural. Um, I feel like if I had played with the clock with the Plague Bearers, I would have done a little better. Um, mm. But um, it's it's a hard thing. Um, I would prefer almost all tournaments just to be clock all the time, to not make it like a choice that you're like forcing upon somebody, but... Yeah, the game is, is kind of is. moving that way. Like, you're starting to see it pop up a lot more, so we may eventually get to that. Yeah, I mean, our, our RTTs use clocks. Like, it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It helps it helps things run on time. <laughs> Honestly, that is a problem at a lot of RTTs, where you'll have that one game that is 30 minutes over the clock, and it's just like, dudes, you need to finish this. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's big because Reese, like, for example, this weekend at the Hammer of Wrath, uh, Reese timed out with his opponent uh, with, like, 40 minutes left, and they were on turn three. And Yikes. Reese timed out. Yeah, it was it was really funny. And Reese was like, oh, I timed out. And my, his opponent was like, well, I guess I just win then? And Reese was like, yeah, okay. I get <laughs> it. Um, and, yeah, it, it would not that would not have been possible at all if, without chess clocks. Like, I think with chess clocks, Reese would have won, like, on turn four. And then his opponent would have would have been sad. 
Yeah, yeah. no, it really, it really shows you that who's the one being slow or what choices you have to make faster. I just like, I just like, it's, sure, it might create more mistakes in the game, but that's better. Mm-hmm. Just yep. rapid fire questions. Like, I, I hate when you like you make a great play on somebody and then they spend ten minutes trying to think their way out of it. It's like, yeah, dude, just play. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's actually a strategy in chess, right? Like in blitz chess and stuff, you do all these really weird offbeat things and make your opponent think harder, and then the clock's winding down the entire time. So I I'm in agreement with you. I think I think that's fun to play. And um, anyways, so uh. You you beat France, which which was uh closer than we expected. I think all, everyone in the U.S. was really really pumped that you beat France. We're like, oh, they beat them by one point. I wonder how they're gonna do. And then you played Australia at the day at the end of day one, um, and yeah. you you beat them pretty handily. Uh, was there? Did you guys just outpair them there, or just a real quick? Um, they're really fun guys, really great guys. I think we outpaired them really strong, and then um. Our lists were just maybe a little bit stronger, and so like we had a lot of twenties that round. Yeah, and it just... that was I the think... one that uh, Nick Nanavati lost, though I guess right to Pascal, a good guy that comes over to LVO. Yep, he lost tonight, and I guess I had to hear the story a bunch of times, but I guess Morty passed like fifteen straight saves and then killed a thousand <laughs> points of Ganyo's army. Yeah, like he was one wound with one wound left. Like all he had to do was like finish him and the game was gonna be a twenty to <laughs> Oh, but then Morty just went nuts and killed all the Marines. All <laughs> the custodes, all the aggressors. <laughs> Dang. So. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. brutal. That that was Ganyu's day one was rough because he had two winnable matchups and then they both went south. So he, he was drinking by the end of day one. He was, he was <laughs> All right, so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Poland. So so you guys found out you guys found out you were playing Poland before us, right? Um, I think you guys were like nine hours ahead of us, uh, and you guys found out the day before as well, right? So pairings go up like in the evening, and then you guys are all drinking. I imagine looking at the people you're playing in the morning, something like that. Yep, we're out to dinner, doing pairings. So so what's the thought process when you guys get to day two morning Poland? So that that was like I think that was when when we all were where everyone was finally like realizing like oh shit the ETC is going on and so everyone kind of like had their eyes on Facebook and wh- what a little coverage we could find of the ETC. Um, so what was your kind of thought process behind playing Poland? What was your strategy? Um, just go through all that. Um, the problem with Poland was we felt that they had probably the best lists in the tournament. Um, pretty close, or the best like team makeup for maybe not against everybody, but certainly against us. And we did a bunch of practice pairings the night before, and no matter which one of us played as Poland, the Americans could not win. We couldn't. We hmm. couldn't win. And we couldn't win based on projections um, with how we kept preparing Poland. So that was when I, I like we when we before right before the team I was like guys this is this is the game we win this game we we win the tournament and I said it's we're gonna pair as well as we can hopefully they make some mistakes hopefully they project things a little different than us um, 
we get, maybe we get into some better matchups than we think we can get into, and then we just have to play play our nuts off. Like that's it, and put everything on the table. We win this round. We're we're going home. You know that's it. Um. So, and we're they rude. paired a little differently than we thought they would, and we did feel like we we won pairings pretty strongly. Um. And uh, yeah, so we felt really good once once the round started. Um, I, however, did not follow my own advice, and I played like a baby back biatch <laughs> and took a match that I should have won and got a zero. So that I felt Ouch. like the Poland round had a whole gambit of emotions where we <laughs> had three tables down the line um, where uh, Nadavati played his probably the game of the tournament for him and needed the game to go on to turn six because it's not automatic. It's still random game length. He needs the game to go on to turn six and he will table the tuned player and get a full 20 game ended up five, 10, 10 tie. So we lost 10 points there. Next table down. Steve's playing, um, Skark, probably their best player. Mm-hmm. Demons versus the chaos demons with Magnus. He needs the game to end on five. He gets like a 12. Nope, it goes to six. He gets tabled. So we get a zero. Mm. So there's like another 12 points lost. And then my game played dumb, dumb as shit. If it ends on five, I still get like a 12. Nope, goes to six, get tabled. So like we lost three rolls down the line that cost us like 40 points. That's harsh. And so I'm sitting there like I just lost game for us, I lost the round for us and only one game is left and it's Chester and he's playing the Dark Eldar and Warner's like, well he needs a 17 for us and we win still and then they had cheered when each one of those dice rolls ended to end those games in their favor and when he's like, oh I get a 17 oh my god, we cheered so loud (laughs) I think Warner jumped in the air (laughs) <laughs> uh, it was great. And, Full on end of movie montage, huh? Yeah. And, and, and then I get... they had to like double check, recheck. What's the score? What's the score? What's the score? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we beat him. And I was like, yes, we got it. Wow. <laughs> and and I guess Steve said that uh, Warner Warner actually told Chester like this was before you guys lost all those rolls um, and lost all those points. Like Warner told Chester like just play conservatively. Like we we've got this. We've got those three wins. And then Chester tied up Trader to his cultist back to a more conservative yeah, position. And then and then mm. those three things happened in succession, and then Warner had to go back to Brad and tell him, like, oh, we need as many points as we can. And Brad's like, dude, I just tied up traders out of the way of, of scoring points. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's Warhammer. Evan Flo. Yeah. Yeah. And And was that game streamed as well? Uh, or one of your games uh, no. was no wasn't uh, my round one was streamed and then Nick's game versus Belarus I think it was Belarus and Spain were streamed okay something like that all yeah. right so before we go too much further though by the way how was like the card situation throughout the tournament was there any weird cards or uh, yellow and red cards anything like that with your team uh our team did not get any 
cards. Uh, we actually, I guess, finished tied for second in sportsmanship. Um, yeah. Oh, that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, you guys. Um, you guys had some people like I. I, I don't know what team we it had, was. We had three. We had three cards. I think played against us. Like, I think one of the players from Belarus, one of the players from Russia, and maybe one other team got a card. Maybe France. I well, I was I hearing from a little a little bird that may or may not have been American in Croatia that a certain player on a certain team was rolling too many dice. Hmm. I don't know. You didn't hear that? The chaos player? Uh, I'm not sure what he what like nationality he was or army. I just know that he was rolling too many dice against somebody and they caught him in the game, but it was like round three or four that this happened. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there was like a lot of like little side drama, like uh, some team scored a car, scored a Maelstrom card, scored Witch Hunter, and the opposing player didn't have any psychers, so how could you score a Witch Hunter? And they were like, dude, how could you score that? <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, now our only our major infraction with the refs or not infraction on us was in in the Russia round um where they had to impose some slow pay penalties on a guy and yeah. you know the refs the it's it's nice the refs at ATC have real power so when when things are going shenanigan wise and they can see it clearly they they do do things. They don't just talk about things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how? Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead no, I was going to ask how many how many refs do they have uh, at the tables? Like, is it like one per pair of teams, or what are the numbers we're looking at? No, they have less than that. It's maybe okay. like five or six guys. Um, but oh, that's pretty impressive. They're actively moving around, um, and you have like. You know, there's like things in place. Like you can't call them over for something you can look up in the FAQ or in your own codex. You know, mm-hmm. clearly, because if you do that, then you know you might get a warning yourself for looking <laughs> for making them waste time. Right. You know, if if you, and then you like you have like support staff on your own teams and with the other teams. So like you're mm. if like there's something crazy and you're like, oh, can you look up that rule? You can call Warner up and he can take the time to look it up while you're still playing. Nice. Or you know their coach, you know, so you have you have you have resources like that, you know, which help things run smoothly. And then again, you can send that person to go get a ref, so you don't have to go get a ref, you know, so they can go find them and right. that kind of thing. So okay. that makes sense. So so onto the slow playing thing, and and I also I want to jump on this subject a little bit more because uh, I know a lot of people in the U.S don't have the same judges and refs that the ETC have. The Neil Kerr and the judge staff at the ETC do an amazing job. As Sean said, they're more hands-on and they have a lot more power and it definitely shows in in the the procedures and stuff. And we actually, Frontline Game actually brought Neil on to go over the ITC floor rules through Frontline Gaming um, right after the ETC happened because we respected his, his you know, his opinion and his, uh, his boldness and Basically, his ability to ref. But winding back to, I, I guess I think it might have been Steve's game, or Steve might have mentioned it. Um, was there a point when the refs 
took over the game because the because someone was slow playing? Or was that Steve mentioned something about that, but I wasn't sure if it was like Steve's game or it was another game next to Steve. But is that true? Did the was uh, like go ahead. Yeah, it was a it was against Russia. Um, obviously, when we were playing Russia, they had one draw. We had no losses, no nothing. Um, basically, the match to probably decide the tournament. Uh, at that point in round five, because whoever leaves that game with a win, you know, is in the driver's seat. And um, like I said, the Russians even told us ahead of time that, you know, if you come to Moscow and you don't play with the chess clock, you ain't finishing your game. Um, <laughs> Says more about them than you guys, probably. So uh, we had some issues where... Um, I was playing a really great guy. We were having a really fun time. He was playing three nights and trash. And all of a sudden, looking up at the clock, and I'm like, we're on bottom of two, and there's only an hour and a half left? Doesn't seem right. Um, so I made a judge aware of that game. A judge brought the chess clock over and said, you guys are on the clock now. I was like, okay, cool. We sped right up, and game finished fine. Um Around the same time, I looked at Chester's game, and I'm like, what turn are you guys in? And they were not very far. And he was playing against a quirky Dark Eldar list, and Chester's finished all his games so far playing against other things, and this Dark Eldar list has nothing in it. And I don't know how you can ever really slow play someone with a Dark Eldar list, because all your Dark Eldar were going to be dead or you're going to move, like, three planes around. Like, that's about it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. There's not yeah. much to it. Um, against 200 cultists, they, I mean, Dark Elder don't really stand a chance. Right. So yeah. it was pretty obvious that this guy was making a, you know, he was getting tight and was trying to, like, fight. It was Relic, and he had picked up the Relic and, you know, hoping the game would end, you know, still having the Relic get some points. That kind of thing. So I was like, dude, you didn't put him on the clock. And Chester's not one for chess clocks very often. So, I mean, it's something he's going to have to get used to. He usually just kind of good-naturedly believes that both people will play fast. And it's just not human. It's not human nature. Chester's um, the guy I'd actually name. Like, uh, he lost an LVO either last year or the year before to Nick Nanabadi. And yeah, had the game year. gone on, he would have probably he beat Nick. And, and like Chester's, I consider him one of the nicest, most fun to watch players. This is not like, I'm not hating on him, but he is one of the first guys I would name as a top player that like does not push his opponent on the clock. Because it's not like Chester's blazing fast, but he's not slow. But if his opponent's also not blazing fast, that game's not finishing. And it like ends up hurting him, who can oftentimes be the better player. So... Yeah, that was like sure. one of the pedestals I got up on. I was like, hey, top players, you guys got to crack the whip at your opponent too, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'd agree with that. That's why I like – I don't crack the whip enough for players. I'd rather have the clock because then I don't have to be that guy because it's not me either. Yeah, And that sure. costs me yeah. sometimes. But, yeah, I would agree. And I was like, dude, why didn't you get a clock when when you – at least after like turn one, it wasn't – you know, the dude wasn't going anywhere. You know what I mean? get a clock and he's like uh yeah. and I so I, I got a judge over and luckily 
I was like, dude, this dude's playing slow. And we had had since we had had we had a little more ref attention because it was like top table that round. Mm-hmm. So like people, the refs were walking by and um, they had kind of noticed things were going slow, maybe, but whatever. And then when I had the ref come over and watch for a minute and the dude started like a rules discussion where he could shoot. He had leaned a ravager, put a ravager on top of a building, and then turned it sideways, and was like, "Now I can shoot your demon prince because this point is closer to the demon prince than the cultists." And I was like, "And my rules say I measure from the hull." And I was like, "Dude, it's base and hull, and whichever's closer, the base is closer to the cultists by like five inches." Uh, <laughs> but he started this whole thing, and then was like talking about he had like five things to shoot, and it was taking forever, and the refs were like, "Keep playing." And then at a certain point, like we're in the lunch period, and then they were like, "You go away. What's alive at this table?" And they're like, "So like they had four refs there. They sent Chester away. They sent his opponent away, and the refs basically were like, if this plays one more turn, X, Y, and Z will happen. It's like definitive. Oh. You know, we can't." And they were like, "Okay." So they would score. So they pulled like the next couple cards from the Maelstrom deck for both players, and like said, "Oh yeah, they'll definitely get this one. They'll definitely get this one. They'll definitely get this one. Blah blah blah. This is this this was this 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 will happen." And then they called us over, and they were like, "This is not a discussion. We feel this is what's going to happen if this game was played naturally." Blah blah blah. Here's the score of the game. And then wow. that that was it. Jeez. You know? So they were really hands-on there. Yeah, I just played the game for them. They're like, listen, guys, if you can't finish the game, we'll just finish it for you. Yeah. And um really surprised to hear that the clock wasn't just... Uh, the tournament just wasn't on the clock to begin with, because it's so funny. I mean, it's so strict about time anyways. Like, each round is, what, four hours or something silly like that? Yeah. yeah. And, like, our trouble with them, was too, is, like, we were trying to get them to pair faster. And we didn't finish the pairing process. The pairing process is like 30 minutes before the four hours. Wow. And we were still pairing with 10 minutes run off the clock. So wow. we, That's we, I mean, so like all these, all these little things, like I said, like added up for the, the ref stepping into that game because it was like, it wasn't just one thing. It was like a total. And I, I again, I think it, it, we had a lot of hordes and hordes were good in the missions. So like, you got to slow the horse down somehow, I guess. <laughs> Do you, so the the pairings is so it's actually like four and a half hours for a round, right? So yeah. half hour for pairings. When you do pairings, and when you get your pairings, do you immediately just start with your opponent, or or does everyone start at the same time? Um, it depends. Um, depends how in a role each player is in a pairing. So most of the times, pairings was uh, myself, Chester, and Nick. Um, and then, so if you weren't, if you weren't pairing, like Rose would immediately, if his, his opponent wasn't also part of their pairing process, he would immediately grab his opponent and be like, hey, let's get going, you know? And okay. so they would go and play, that kind of thing. So it, 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 it depends. And are they watching, um, is like, it's the rest of the TC team, are they all watching you guys pair? Or do, do they like waiting off in like, like off by their seats or by their tables or something? Waiting for you to no, it's them. usually like usually like behind, right behind, just in case you got to ask someone or and you got to send them to pick their table because once a player is picked, they they have, they have to pick a table. Um, you also got to like block out the other team from walking around to see your screens and stuff like that. You know, it's it's, it's <laughs> wild. Your screens? What do you mean? 
Well, we have your computer with your with your oh, Perry's oh, matrix. Your, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You gotta block him out. Yeah, you gotta block him yeah. out, man. Kill him, see your. It's it's serious business, this etc stuff, you know. No, that's <laughs> cool. I like that. I, I like that a lot. I'd actually like to get that filmed, like on a Twitch stream, have like a whole pairings process, because because that's really that whole thing is that's a whole nother like the, when you were talking about apples and and defenders and rocks, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what any of this means. Kind of had the trial and error and context clues, um, but that's a whole like whole nother process, right? Yeah, it's a whole other process. It's, yeah, it's wild. And did did you did were you when you first started ETC? Did were you always part of the pairings process, or is this like your first time you were you were part of the pairings process? Or no, usually I put Taylor Swift on and stand in the corner and dance. That's oh, I nice, mean, nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's usually that that would usually be my my go to. I was I was <laughs> I was a lot more all involved this year. Okay, probably because I was because it was my name on the on the thing. You know. <laughs> Did, well, what it obviously you, worked out. Yeah. <laughs> did you do anything to prepare for pairing? Because like obviously, is your I, I guess I'd call you like a rookie captain at the at this point. Then, um, but would you do anything to prepare for that? Like, how do you prepare for pairings? Do you just like know um, 40k? Or? I mean, because we do it we do it every year. You know, I mean, like I'm always aware of the process. Right. And I mean, basically, what pairings is is you take their eight man team and your eight man team. You sign a score for each player versus each player. Um. And then once all that's done, um, the more tech-savvy members of our team put it in an Excel sheet, and the Excel sheet is color-coded based on, you know, red being bad, green being good, and whatever the color gradients in between to get there. Um, and you look at it, and you're like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Ganyo loses to seven out of eight matchups. We can either try to throw him out there to draw out one of their big guns and just dumpster him because he's going to be a dumpster no matter where. Um, but if you throw him out too early, does it throw out, let them throw out some of their terrible things and then it's not worth it. So then you got to hold them out a little bit longer and get them into the right one. Um, so you don't usually start that way. You probably start with a guy who only has one bad matchup because since you can always refuse one, you then, oh, he's only got one bad one. He, he refuses that, takes something good, blah, 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 there, he's done. And then you go down the line, and you're like, so then they put out their defenders, and you're like, all right, we got two guys with green against this guy. No matter which one he picks, they lose that game, throw those two out. Um, so that kind of thing. Jeez. You know. Mm. So, so like my list, for example, because I had all the haywire, was usually kept around to bully their night lists from coming out. Um that kind of thing. And then what happened a lot in our pairings was that there wasn't that many things my list was bad against. Um, so we would usually be like the last defender or something like that. So that whatever I refused, most likely Tony, Tony got fed. So there's a lot of rounds where we were like, all right, they sent these two things at me. I beat this one. Tony do beat this one. He's like, I mean, it beat everything, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so yeah. so that's actually that's. Does everyone have pairing software like that, or or a pairings matrix, or is? It, oh, I'm sure everybody's oh, okay. got a screen. Everybody's looking at something. Right. I mean, sometimes we do it on paper, but like, I mean, the screen makes it easier because it's color coded, and you can right. delete the rows as you go as the teams are picked. Okay. Um, but yeah, everybody's using something. Hmm. Um. Was there something about? Was there anything about the ETC meta 
that um, you guys might have predicted that maybe you guys were wrong about. So, so for example, like we, I, you guys didn't take a lot of nights, but obviously everyone else did. Um, do you think that it didn't matter, um, or do you think that maybe you would have liked to have taken more like anti big stuff, you know, or um, something? We had a couple like meetup practices, and one of before nights came out, vaults was killing like everybody's lists. So we had kind of committed to it, but then Knights came out and kind of dumpstered vaults. So we were th- like last minute, we were trying to think maybe bring a Renegade Knight list, but we didn't really have a lot of practice with it. And I made a decision to just stick with it because Kurt had had practice with it. And I was like, it can't have gone super south in one month. But uh, do you feel his, his performance kind of bore that decision out? I think it did. Um, now granted with a, if we had made a busted renegade night list, it might've been better. Sure. But I mean, we won the event, so like, you don't want to second guess too much, but, <laughs> right. I mean, but he, um, I mean, he, he did the damn thing all weekend. I mean, he had a bunch of dumpstery matchups and cold points all over the board. Um, he even beat triple knights in the last round, which was crazy. That's impressive. <laughs> What was the coolest list you saw there that you weren't expecting, I guess? I don't know. I didn't really see any that were that cool. <laughs> yeah, well, when they you know all the lists of 40K. They didn't have a lot of combat in them. You know me. No one brought the... Yeah. No, no one brought the Avatar Kane or anything like that. There was like two yeah. Grey Knight lists. It was, kind of, it was kind of interesting that that happened. Uh, one person brought Orcs, right? And they did all right, I thought. Orcs? Yeah. I think more than... No, there was more than one orc. I mean, we played one. Yeah, I know there were a couple. Mm. There wasn't Nick, a did ter- Nick did terrible, terrible things to the orc list on stream, I think. Terrible, terrible things. Were you surprised that there weren't more... Because when I was looking through it, there weren't actually as many Castellans as I thought there were. There would be. Um, do you, Were you kind of surprised by the lack of, I guess, Tony Kopak lists? Because, I mean, I, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. But looking at that list now, it seems like one of the more obvious, like, this is the most powerful list in 40k right now, right? Yeah, so, so... again, that'll go down to he took three Imperial sources that are good. Mm-hmm. Will your team sacrifice three Imperial sources? I see, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, you can make a decent list out of guard and, you know, still have, like, a lot of teams brought knights with Admech because the knights are still good. Mm-hmm. by themselves, and then the admin gives them a couple command points or whatever. Um, but not a lot of teams were, you know, cherry-picking all three of those sources in one list. Um, you know, because then you got guys playing Ganyo's list. <laughs> <laughs> As I had to hear from Ganyo repeatedly. <laughs> this, uh, do you... Why were there any other imperialists that he considered at all? Like, I, I guess I'd have to ask Ganyo about this, but what else is there? I don't know, man. Imperium is trash. There's there's one guy who did okay with Death Watch, Primaris Intercessors, keep striking down, but he also had Blood Angels and Knights in his list. So take I mean, that well, with a grain of salt. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um. Do, so you don't think there's any other imperialists that are that are like remotely close to guard Blood Angels and and Knights like right now? No. No. Period. Marines are terrible. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, even Blood Angels are terrible. They just have two good characters, and <laughs> that's about it. Um, How do you rate Sisters of Battle out of curiosity? Even as not like a primary, but just an allied force. I mean, we looked at a lot of that with like, you know, Retributors or whatever the heavy bolter things are. Mm-hmm. But like, whatever. I mean, they're nice. Yep. I think Seraphim are the only good thing in that. I don't even think Celestine's... Not in ITC, anyways. I don't think Celestine's that good in ITC. Yeah. She's, she gives up a lot of points, but yeah. so does everything. Yeah. But I, I think Seraphim are the only good thing in that codex, personally. But, um... Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, you guys played France. Uh, you guys beat France. Uh, not France. Um, I, I, You guys Poland? already beat France. The final... The final so, Oof. after Russia... After Russia, I'm a, uh, I was uh, off in La La Land trying to think of a good Imperium list. You guys played Spain, and you guys beat yep. you guys beat Spain. And you guys won the tournament, which congratulations, um, you guys. I think last weekend shows what happens when you try to think of a good Imperium list, Pablo. Go ahead. Ooh. Ooh. Was, it's pretty bad. We'll we'll, t- we'll cover that later. We'll cover it's <laughs> impossible because they're garbage. <laughs> uh, well, well, you know, I actually brought I brought guard Blood Angels and. And knights, I, I brought the trifecta. Yeah, but you brought the found, and you found a way to make that bad. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, yeah, you know, if you guys ever need an apple for the ETC, <laughs> like an apple, I'll, I will wear the apple suit at the ETC if you guys want me to. Well, I'll dance, I'll do anything. But uh, but anyways, so so you guys played Spain, you guys beat them. Congratulations. Um, after you won, uh, did anyone kind of like come up to you guys and be like, oh? Like I guess I guess you guys are actually pretty good or or any I don't know I've always I've always got the feeling that there was a little bit more of like a superiority complex between the European like meta I guess and like the the US or the ITC people so to speak um, or is it just all camaraderie and like like no one really that those talks uh, just was, don't happen no there was there was a lot of love we were getting a lot of love all weekend that's good um, a lot of teams actually like um liked our lists this year some of them so some of them they, early in the tournament before the tournament started they told i guess some teams told gano and chester that we had missed missed the ball again but <laughs> um some teams were were giving us the love and also because we had they had promised us real terrain this year and i don't in past etcs there really wasn't and it still wasn't quite on like LDO or Nova terrain, but it was pretty close um, in terms of line of sight blocking and some big stuff. And it was it was way different than a lot of these countries had seen before. So we a couple of our lists like Ganyo's and mine went from like yeah that's a pretty good list in some situations to hey with terrain yeah <laughs> it's a good <laughs> list. <laughs> so that that part caught a couple teams off guard mm-hmm. and. One team, uh, like the Irish team told us that they were like, um, you guys hit the nail on the head with the terrain, you know, you came prepared for it and a lot of us aren't. So, and just to get your own personal opinion, you, do you, do you feel like that's good or bad? More terrain is good or bad for like tournament play in 40k? Oh, more is better. Come on. I'm a close combat guy. If you can't, you gotta be charging. Making sure. (laughs) Always be charging. (laughs) All right. Uh, so, so we're gonna go ahead and transition into talking about the rest. Unless, unless Sean, uh, Batman, was was there anything else you wanted to add to that at the end? 
no, I was just really proud of the whole team, and uh, it was really nice um, on the internet and on Facebook and everything. All the love we got from everybody as we were as after we won, you know. Yeah, we, it was great. You guys worked really hard, so I mean, it showed. And it was awesome. Um, so uh, we're gonna switch on. We're gonna transition into some announcements, which I saved for the middle of the episode. So I, I just wanted to jump right into this with uh, Sean Naden. Uh, so. Visit the Capital City Bloodbath if you're in Ottawa, Canada. That's going to be August 18th to the 19th. Um, uh, they asked me to give them a shout-out, so go ahead and give them a shout-out. Um, uh, go ahead and ju- go to the Capital City Bloodbath if if you're in the area. It's a great event. They're not going to have live streams this year, so we're not going to have any Twitch from Canada, but they are going to record and put the battle reports up on YouTube, um, which I actually think is a really intelligent thing to do because it – uh, battle reports that you record and put up on YouTube tend to be more higher quality than watching live casts on Twitch. Um, of course, it depends on the venue and everything too. But um, in general, when when you have more control over where the cameras can go and recording, uh, and you don't have to worry about being shackled by the internet and live stream and people bugging you, um, generally the casts tend to be a little bit more uh, quality. So check that out. Uh, and then of course, this past weekend was the Hammer of Wrath. Uh, Reese, Frankie, and myself all went. I did terribly. I managed to go one and three with Blood Angels, Guard, and Knights. Um, <laughs> I went one and three and, and then dropped the last game so I could watch the top tables. Uh, <laughs> and then Reese went four and one with with uh, Scarbrand. And uh, Frankie, I think, went two and three yeah. with Tyranids. So uh, check out Signals of the Frontline for that. I'm sure Reese will talk endlessly about Corn. He'd actually been... He might he might joke about this, but he actually has been listening to Macedon and and Pantera and Gojira, like metal <laughs> hardcore corn metal, all week. Like no joke, been preparing for this this tournament. So I think I think corn <laughs> favored him. Um, so check that out, Signals of the Frontline. Uh, and then of course finally we released our new ITC missions. So check those out. Go into the mission pack. Uh, give us feedback. Run them. Let us know how we're going. So far everything's been really positive. And we feel like they're the best missions we've put out um, in a very long time. So we're pretty proud of that. Uh, all right. So let's talk about the Nova Invitational. Uh, Sean, have you had a chance to look through the bracket? Uh, Batman. Uh, I glanced at it. Okay. What, what about Jeff and Abuse Puppy? I yeah. haven't actually gotten to look at them a whole lot. I've I've gotten some kind of secondhand info on it, but it's mostly been in discussions with other people rather than you know sitting down and tearing through it myself okay well i'll save you guys a lot of trouble um jeff would you say there's like there's like 20 imperial guard blood angels night list factions uh of the invitation i mean i don't think 20 i think it's like closer to 12 or 15 but I, yeah, it's yeah. only of 32 guys it's 10 plus which is pretty amazing yeah so so we're obviously we're talking about the nova invitational uh where where players from all around the world are invited to compete and a 32-person single elimination bracket. It's always a lot of fun, and players always bring the heat because, you know, they want to win. Um, and also, Jeff, you, Jeff's going to be commenting uh, on the Warmer Community stream with Frankie G and Papa. Um, so I'm going to let Jeff... Uh, Jeff, what do you what do you think? What's what's coming up? What are you excited for? Any big storylines you want to cover, talk about now? Nova is one of my favorite tournaments of the year. It's just a, an incredibly awesome group of guys. I think the East Coast has a lot of the highest skilled players congested yep. there, and they all a lot of them tend to go to this tournament. Um, 
And then I actually really like Nova rules uh, and Nova missions. I don't necessarily like favorite to ITC or anything like that. I just really enjoy it being different. And um, I think they're really solid and they favor like preparation and smart generals. Uh, as opposed to going more in the simple direction, they go in the more complex dis direction, which is maybe not the best for like mass consumption, but be but because it's at Nova, everyone knows it and prepares for it. And this is, you know, like the seventh or eighth year the tournament's been going on or something crazy like that. Um, so all of that comes together to be just really, really fun. And then I think the timing of this is really cool, too, because most of the codexes um, are going to be out. Unfortunately, it looks like we'll miss orcs. Um, Space wolves may be in there, which will be really cool. Uh, and then after that, there's only just a couple codexes that are missing. And, of course, the people that own those armies are like, but they're the, you know, Jeff, shut your... I know, I get it. Uh, it's too bad. But for the most part, the meta is going to be in a really fun place, too, because knights will have been out for a little while. So there's going to be enough time for people to, like, not be surprised by two or three knights, which it happens every time it comes out. But in 7th and in 8th, when knights come out, there's, like, that one-month whiplash where everyone forgets how powerful they are. Then the meta kind of recalibrates and knights remain good, but not mega, mega top tier. But, um, that might be different in eight though, because I think they're better in eight than they were in seventh. But yeah, that's mm. what I'm excited for. Yeah. It, it's actually, it's a, you talk about whiplash, but it, it's amazing. Ever since knights have come out, they haven't been that, irre that irrelevant for that long um, until now in eighth edition, right? Like we hadn't seen, like a real knightless contender in eighth since since the indexes before space marine codexes right um and so i think everyone kind of forgot like what exactly a knight like how good they were because they, they were like you said they were really good and they're even better with a codex um they just needed yeah i mean extra. it makes sense that's true with all the indexes though to be fair like yep you go you go way back and uh when there's only a couple codexes out sure there's some index stuff popping up but since then it's been you know it's been an anomaly, right? Like, people are like, hey, orc artillery is pretty good, and that did well at a tournament. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then sisters are pretty fast, and they got a lot of meltas, so that did okay as an ally at a tournament. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the most part, stratagems, warlord traits, um, and all that stuff, just it's just too much. Yep. Uh, so so speaking of knights, uh, Sean, Batman, um, are you going to bring the Avatar of Kane back to maybe deal with knights? What are, what is your what are your plans for dealing with knights? Uh, Doom and Harlequin bikes. Goodbye oh. knights. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Give them like forty mortal wounds, or something. There you go. Uh, yeah, and and the Avatar Kane. Come on, he's coming <laughs> mm -hmm. back. He, he you, can, you, he can you kill a knight. You prefer the knight. Avatar of Kane over the Incarnate these days, then? Uh, I don't prefer the Avatar of Kane over the Incarnate. Um. Hmm. What I prefer is not being an Ari. Yeah, that's I fair. Why. Can't remember why. Uh, I just don't have a good place for it. And it's it's extra points. Like yeah. you know, it's hard, it's yeah. hard to fit everything when you get in all three. And then I don't care if Eldar or Unari because there's no point to being Eldar. None of their things are any good. But you don't <laughs> want to make your Harlequins Yunari, and you don't want to make your um, Dark Eldar Yunari. So, but it's mostly a points thing, I think. Um, yeah, it's like an extra ninety points or something. So not a small. No, it's thing. an extra hundred. It's almost like a hundred points. Yeah. Mm. Is it? I thought so, the 
I thought the yeah. Avatar was 250, but I might be remembering him wrong. Yeah, he's 250. He should be like 180. Yeah, he'd, he's... he'd be really good at yeah. 180. Oh yeah, I've I've looked at him a number of times, kind of inspired by a number of your lists. It's just like, can I make this guy work? And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I don't feel like I can. But obviously, you have. Yeah, I mean, he just he's, he combos well with things because you know, and now yeah, like he can, he can give that punch to like. Brush back your 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 Blood Angels captains. Brush back your your Custodes captains, and brush back mm-hmm. knights. You know, so also, I'll be bringing him back. He has a fearless bubble. I do love fearless. It's pretty good sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you do you think that Eldar lists are gonna stay the same now that knights are out, or do you think you're gonna start seeing more people bringing the Harlequin bikes? I mean. You gotta bring something. Uh, Eldar don't have to bring Harlequin bikes because they have Doom, but yeah. it's nice. I mean, <laughs> Doom and the Harlequin bikes it means you don't have to take as many Harlequin bikes. <laughs> How many do you think you need minimum? I don't think I'm gonna play with less than ten, but I, I don't think you need more than more than ten either. Wow, ten's a lot. No, I played with like 16 in Europe. Oh, yeah, yeah ten's, that's true. Ten's just a basic detachment. It's like, it's like you know, three squads of three. Oh uh, no, I'd run on two squads of five. Oh yeah? yeah. Would you would you take something else for your your third fast attack, or do you make it like a battalion or something? Yeah, you either go two squads of five and a squad of two, or you know, for the same cost, you take two death jesters. And because you're always taking mm-hmm. a solitaire, solitaire's too good to pass up. He, he's real good oh. these days. Yeah, with the relic rose, she, she's finally like able to do all the things she thinks she can do. <laughs> like before, I thought she could do cool things. Now that she has auto three damage against infantry, she, she actually can do cool things. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jeff, what do you think? Other than obviously Eldar and the 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 astral term Blood Angels, guard list. Um, what else do you think we're gonna see a lot of at Nova, um, outside of the Invitational? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, Knights are the safe bet. It's going to be ridiculous. There's going to be a lot of them. Um, I just think this will be one of the tournaments where, you know, because at the BAO we had hilariously like six Knights in the top ten or something, six Knight lists, excuse me, in the top ten or something crazy like that. I don't think it's going to be like that. Um, that guard that guard with the Castellan list is really, really good. I do agree with that, but I also... Well, I don't know that it has super bad matchups, I guess is what I was saying, but but one of the things that's like always surprising and funny to me that catches people a little bit off guard is the Nova terrain is predictably the same like every year. It's phenomenal. Um, those two L-shaped things, but people still bring like really gunline heavy lists <laughs> and then that terrain shuts down a lot of that or a lot of stuff can surprise them. So like any Blood Angel captains, which by the way, of the what 200 players, there's going to be like 400 Blood Angel captains, lol. Yeah. Um just they're going to be inside that L shape all day long and with a, with like slightly above average rolling and hitting and swinging twice one of those guys brings down a knight like by himself which sinks a third of the yeah. list it's absolutely yeah. insane that's going to be the same insane games when those mirror matches happen because it's going to be like all right our knights really can't shoot each other's knights down cuz we both pop three up invuls and so like the math's not really good on Castell and Castell and love but which one of us leaves a hole and gets Blood Angel capped into death? Right. And yeah. then there's going to be the RNG of the missile as well, right? Someone goes first, 
pops the shield breaker on a Blood Angel captain on the ground and then actually rolls that five or six for the wounds and everything gets through. But there's a lot of yeah. variance there, too, which is really funny. The Raven strategy makes it a lot less variance, obviously, but it's still pretty funny. Um, otherwise, I, I think uh, I, I think it's just what's, what's so fun about the scene right now is I don't know that I could tell you any one thing you're going to see a lot of. There's there's still people doing the, like, a million bodies with six smiters behind it, and I mm-hmm. it's okay. But I, I think that, too, like I said, just kind of runs into some really rough matchups that are... Uh, again, I think those knights are really bad because they can chuck four missiles at them for four turns and just sit back there forever. The list never gets near them. So you lose a couple of your smiters and then your deep your damage goes down like 30%, and it wasn't super amazing to begin with. Um, I think Terrans will do okay. I think they always do, but right now people have found a comfortable place with like, hey, it turns out you only need six hive guard if you stick them behind a wall, and they just shoot twice every single turn. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, there are yeah. a couple tuning players I know that are Dallas and Rose. Those two guys are they play a lot of games, and Dallas plays a lot of Nova missions with Nick, and mm-hmm. I, I would look out for those two especially, along with whatever other tuning players. Uh, so something that was kind of a theme at the at the Hammer of Wrath um, that a lot of people were talking about was that Tyranids don't have a very good matchup against knights. Um, like they they can't really hurt mm. a knight. And kill it quick. Like if you basically, if you can't kill a knight in one turn, the knight can just, it just be in danger of just running rampant through your lines. Um, so that's just kind of the perspective, I guess, down here. Uh, how do Rose and Dallas deal with knights as tier with Tyranids? Bodies. If they Bodies. face a Castellan, it doesn't have a lot of DACA, <clears throat> so they don't even care. They just go ahead and shoot all game long. The well, funny thing yeah, is, for it's, Tyranids, it's not that good. A Castellan's not even good in combat, so no, no. nope. <laughs> Tyranids have actually probably the single best non-killing way of dealing with knights, but none of them take it uh, because they don't like it elsewhere, I guess. But three biovores, and if you want to take any more, that's fine, <laughs> which are not amazing units by themselves. They used to be really cool, um, and they still are pretty okay. It's not like I'm complaining that they're terrible, but it's so funny. If you put any of those into your, into your list, the knight is not moving. Um, I guess where it becomes less effective is that if you're facing that single Castellan, it didn't want to move anyway, so who cares? But any Valiant, any three knights, all that kind of stuff, hilariously, you like walk your Biowar a uh, half an inch, fire, miss twice, and then move block it, and it's never moving for the rest of the game. Yeah. Oh, because it can't hop over him, so it's got to charge a bunch of little dudes. Yeah. You just put it a couple inches off of it, and then the terrain blocks the knight as well. So just two spore mines make it move an inch a turn. <laughs> yeah, the the spore mines can really shut down any kind of big bases without fly. Yeah, and that's actually speaking of fly um, and and variants. Uh, when Jeff was talking about it, I like the variants in the Eldar list right now, right? So you've got like the Dark Eldar, Harlequin, Eldar mix lists that are kind of cool. And then you've got like Jeff Pool variant like flyer lists where they run three or four or six flyers, wave serpents, and you know whatever. Um, and then you mm-hmm. have like Nanavati's traditional kind of infantry Eldar lists with a little bit of mix of everything and like shining spears. Um, I, I like the variants there, but Eldar flyers are really good at blocking night gallants. Like they're 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 yeah amazing. they are. There's, yeah, especially Nova when you've got those two L shapes, you've already got so much limited space. Um, so if you you can just kind of like crisscross two Eldar flyers and just basically stop a knight gallant from moving anywhere, um, then you got to hope that your Blood Angels captains get the flyers, which th- which they can do obviously very easily. Um, 
But uh, I mean, at the same time, the heavy Eldar flyer lists don't have that much else on the board, and you can just table them. I, yeah, it's very I possible. Know, man. I, I, everyone says that, and then and then I see like people trying to do it, and they just they just can't pull it off, man. No, no, you know. I'm sure Sean can. That's because they they don't have a lot of close combat. That's what that's what it keeps coming down to is people don't put too much faith in these guns. In the 41st <laughs> I mean, millennium, yeah. the most important thing is your combat knife. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong because like in the matches I played at BAO and other places, the biggest danger to those wave serpents and rangers and all that shit is absolutely close combat units. People people are still playing Eighth Edition like it's an all shooting game. It is not. Close no. combat is a big threat. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Chernids also have a really good matchup against against the flyer Eldar flyer lists. Even it doesn't feel yeah. like it, but yeah, you can just like run around the flyers and kill everything. If you, well, you can also make all, this... all the flyers crash and die. Oh yeah, that too. It's really hard with the Eldar flyers. I have never yeah. crashed an Eldar flyer, even against like horde orcs and Tyranids. Mm. Well, the problem is if it's gene slayer cults too, is that they can get into your lines. It's and true. That's, that's that's where the the big deal comes. I think yeah. I think Reese got like six flyers with Scarbrand at the Hammer of Wrath. There's, there was a guy running twelve Eldar flyers, um, mm-hmm. and Reese kind of like deep, deep struck Scarbrand in the middle of the board, and Scarbrand's like, "You fight!" And the flyers are like, "Okay," and because they can't they yep. can't leave. Not allowed to fall back. <laughs> so. But uh, it must have been a real sight to see. Um, but uh, what do you think is the best Eldar variant list right now, Sean? Batman. Um, I'm always jaded because I like my versions better than other people's versions. But, I mean, I like Witches, and I like Harlequin Bikes, and I like Guardians, and the Avatar Kane. And there's no one else going to be playing that. So that's probably <laughs> not the best. Eldar list because um, you won't ever see anybody running it. Uh, <laughs> what's your What's your secret to getting those witches up the board and making sure they do work? Uh, it was easy in ETC because you could avoid some of the matchups and then like plague bear, plague bears don't have guns, so you're like whatever, I'm gonna walk into you. And <laughs> um, I mean, I I mean I take two units and when I deep strike, I expect one of them to make it. They have rerollable charges. You have a you spend mm-hmm. a command point. You're gonna I, you, I feel like you're almost guaranteed to make one. I don't need one. I just need one. So you're just you're webway portaling them or webway strike or assault or whatever the hell it's called in the Dark Eldar version. Just webwaying them in and uh, laying them out in front of the enemy lines. Yeah. yeah. It's not a bad plan. You know, and once they get there, what people don't realize is once turn three hits, dark witches are basically space marine captains. They don't yeah. Care. They hit on twos. They have like five attacks. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> die. Die, die, die. And, the, and they'll just hold anything in place forever. Well, yeah, that's like the key The key there. Because like the big key early in 8th edition was the you screen. And then the key mm-hmm. after that was I grab your screen and your screen doesn't go anywhere. And then the counter to that was, okay, now I take screens that have fly. And then that's all cool and all, but witches just hold you anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're a, a nice little kind of counter trick to uh, a lot of the the screens and whatnot you see out there. Yeah. Uh, do you, are you planning on switching armies at all, Sean, or are you going to stick with Eldar for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, I don't know what it technically ends up being. If, 
I don't know how ITC works. I don't actually read the rules. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, is it points in faction? Is that what it is? So I don't single, really know what I, single largest detachment. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really know what, I don't really know what I fall into currently. Probably it's, it's probably Eldar because the Avatar King costs a lot of points. But in any mm-hmm. game that I don't have the Avatar King, it probably slides towards Harlequins. Well, so you're not gonna like dabble in like orcs or Tyranids or any other any other armies? No, I pretty much stick to the three master races and ignore all the the chaff. <laughs> um, but I mean, every once in a while I'll play Tyranids, but usually only as a troll moment. And right now Tyranids are too good to troll. So like I only play like Tyranids when like Tyranid players give up all hope. <laughs> That's the only time I play Tyranids. <laughs> um, also, another thing I noticed uh, is you don't seem to favor like Ravagers and Cabal the Black Cardinal. Uh, all... <laughs> they have guns. Forget those things. So, uh, other than the fact that they're, they're not good in combat, <laughs> why would I favor them? Oh, they got those blade veins, though. They're such a simple Ugh. guy. So... No, I mean, it was interesting because like I had way more shooting than I would normally. Like they kind of like. We're like, Sean, you got to take Ravagers really good. And, like, they are pretty good. Um, but they're just not that good. And there's a lot of matchups where they're just terrible. Like, they don't do anything against Knights. They don't do anything against, like, Chaos. They don't do anything really against, like, they do a little to Hordes, but not great. So, like, there are matchups where, like, they don't die ever because your opponent really can't deal with them. But, like, they still don't do that much damage. And, like, I like them in the Eldar Mirror because... They help you get rid of the Dark Reapers, but you can just charge the Dark Reapers. Who cares? <laughs> uh, and and then are are you gonna are you are you sold on the Cabal of the Blackheart? Like you're always gonna try and take it? Do you think that's always the plan there or no? No, I can't because uh, if you follow this discussion, if I like witches and I like Eldar and I like Harlequins, right? That's, the yep. that's that's what I was. That's what I was that's what I was noticing. I was like, wait, where, where is he? Is he not going to take the Cabal of the Blackheart then? Um, uh, probably not. No. Um, I mean, it's it's a great stratagem. It messes people up. But to me, it's also sometimes a trap. Like, you start wasting a bunch of command points on it. And Yeah. But the thing is that all the Cabal shit sucks. <laughs> like, Warriors trash. Archons trash. Um, <laughs> Ravagers, trap. Hey man, I've had, I've gotten, like, I've gotten shit on. My Blood Angel captain got shit on by like six Venoms charging him. That was yeah, sweet. <laughs> good, good, good game. <laughs> Take all those points by witches, and your Blood Angel captain dies faster. <laughs> <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite witch cult? Uh, Curse Blade, plus one strength, only ever lose one yeah. in morale. It's yeah. like head and shoulders yeah, above the really other good. ones. It's brutal. It's like strength four is the or three normally is the big limiter on witches, so making them fours really turns into a chopper machine. Yeah, for sure. And I can't wait to have Doom. I haven't had Doom in months. Can't wait to see what <laughs> witches with Doom do. Yeah. Wow. They'll tell they'll tell down knights. Yeah, a little Can bit. They? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Doom and Jinx, they'll tear down knights. Because they, yeah. they're winning on fives re rolling and then No, you're still sixes there. Are you but, no, no, yeah, yeah. One squad could be fives, one squad sixes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So you're just but putting yeah, like, like a billion wounds on the knight. Yeah. Doom oh, and yeah. Jinx kills anything. It doesn't matter what you hit it with at that point. I see. Yeah. Two squads of witches will tear down a knight with Doom. Jinx, they'll do it faster. Hmm. Okay. 
Uh, and what's going to be so, – so we're going to be winding down here. Uh, what's going to be the next um, tournament you're going to go to, Sean? So the big plan. Uh, probably Battle for Salvation in October. It's one okay. of like the best mm-hmm. tournaments in the country. Yeah. Because it's super East Coast, super good meta, good guys, really well run. It's Columbus Day weekend in uh, New York. There you go. Mm-hmm. Check it out. October. Do you know what date? Whatever Columbus Day weekend is. Columbus Day 7th, weekend. 9th. Battle, like Battle for Salvation in Columbus yeah. Day weekend. If you want to play against... 80% of the ETC team. Because I'm sure all those guys are going to go there. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, 80-90%. Almost like that. all be there. The, the, whole, the whole team. <laughs> um, but yeah, go ahead and go to Battle for Salvation. Uh, and then, Jeff, uh, I, I had some questions about the warmer community thing that I'm sure other people have. But uh, So it was a big announcement, right? Um, what, what, are, what, do you, what do you think... Uh, what should people expect from you and Frankie... Um, from Nova coverage. Well, I think the coolest thing about it is it's GW doubling down on wanting to have more of a stream presence. Like this is something they've already done is some tournament coverage and have their guys go places. But this is them asking people that are actual kind of tournament experts uh, of some sort to be your hosts and really up the broadcast quality from just like, these are people that know Warhammer and love it a lot and are, you know, have beautifully accented voices and are awesome GW people to people who um, have terrible accents but know the scene, know the players, know what's going on uh, at a much, much higher level. And the the idea is that that creates a, a fun, informative show of people that are passionate about the the game, of course, but also can talk about what's going on and get it closer to, you know, an esports broadcast or a professional sport broadcast um, Warhammer will never be there, of course. It's just such a different game, and it doesn't really fit to do a nine-hour broadcast where you're, like, pretending to get excited when someone rolls a six or something like that. But um, to be able to talk about decisions and, and the, the list and what's trying to do and the missions and keep uh, the chat interactive and excited about what's going on is really fun. So that's just kind of the onset looking in. But the very brutally honest answer that, you know, you'll hear here, but would not hear elsewhere is that this will be Frankie's first time commentating. So he loves mm-hmm. Warhammer and he's really great. And he's obviously been on frontline stuff for years. So it's not like he's going to get on camera and like shit himself and then start crying or something like that. But um, it'll be fun to kind of see what kind of broadcaster Frankie is. Um, and then for me personally, I've, I've got years and years of broadcasting, but um, as far as commentating and conducting a Warhammer stream, I am also not that experience. Um, I have we have our ideas. We're taking it very serious and having meetings and plans and stuff like that. And it's you know not going to be just to like show up and do it kind of thing. This is going to be something we really, really prep for and want to nail out of the park. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of exciting because it's like I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll see how it ends up being. Um, we have aspirations and goals beyond this, by the way. But this is the first test run. So if like six people are watching and they're all just kind of spouting. Nazi propaganda, then we probably won't have more of this. But the idea is we're going to do everything we can to advertise it. We want it to be a really good stream. And then if people can get behind it and enjoy it, and this is something they want, you can expect a full year of top tournament coverage and more. We have other plans as well. Which, which is what I think um, most people want. Um, I think it's safe to say that. That's something that people want to yeah. see. Yeah. 
Uh, so what do you? But then I won't get I won't get to call the shot and have you play certain people at LVO again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. oh I know you cursed me with that. But the the fun thing is is that even if like the full like if our full goal is achieved and they're like okay here's the terms we want you to go to it's still going to just be like Adepticon Nova LVO and then maybe one or two others which leaves me to still go compete at some big tournaments. Uh, and it makes me want to pursue other ones. So, like, when Sean says, oh, I'm looking forward to Battle for Salvation, I'm like, well, GW doesn't give a shit about that tournament, so obviously um, I might need to send myself to New York and play against those East Coast guys. Right. We got couches you can crash on. Heck yeah, man. Yep. Uh, so so uh, the people who watch the GW stream are accustomed to uh, that stream and a certain level of, of what GW brings, which they bring on, mm-hmm. like, guest hosts and beautifully painted models and terrain. Um, is there anything that you can tell us that that's like you guys are planning that's already in the works, that's already going to happen, that's new that yeah. we can get excited about? Yeah, I think what's really cool about the idea that Frankie and I are the conductors of this is that we are friends with the scene and, and the people that are playing. So after, you know, Mr. Fennel has this amazing semifinal match against so-and-so and he finishes 45 minutes early... We can have him come over and talk about his match and stuff like that. Because that's the other thing about Warhammer 2 is that, like, we're never... I mean, maybe someday we'll get there, but in order to really properly cover a Warhammer match, both the players have to be mic'd. There has to be moving multiple cameras, probably. And then there has to be some kind of on-site person that's, like, recording the score and stuff. Yeah. Well, hey, I got news for you. That's not happening at this tournament. So uh, <laughs> what's going to end up happening is there'll be time where we chime in and, and listen to the players to get an idea of what they're talking about. Then we'll um, put the sound away from them, and then it'll be Frankie and I talking. We'll bring in people to talk about their matches, talk about what's going on out there. Um, and then we'll have their lists. We'll break down lists. Like That's the kind of content you can kind of expect. And then I do expect, and this has got to be a main drive for Warhammer anyways, there's going to be a lot of people tuning in that are like, what the hell is going on? What is this? the space dolls or some shit and instead of being like you idiot this is really important we love this stuff we're gonna be like well hey man here's this and this and like you know do you have any questions and, and the, the idea is that uh we bring in new viewers we bring in new people that have not watched this before and make it really attractive for them to hang out and and watch right on are, are there any matchups for the invitational that you're really excited to see like for example i i really hope that we get like alex fennel versus brandy grant um, this is this is the Invitational. This is Brandon Grant's first Nova Invitational. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see like just just Alex Fennel and Brandon Grant play, and be really polite to each other, and also they're both really really good technical players. Um, yeah. Are there any matchups that you think you're excited to see, or or a prediction? Uh, I'm a quality snob, so I want to see some of the best players. I really really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but when I'm not watching the best players, what I really want to see is the saltiest Reese that you can possibly imagine, which is hard to find on stream and at tournaments, because he definitely, um, you know, despite what people think, Reese is, on some level, self-aware. So it's hard to get that level of salt out of him, but if there's the right combo of stuff that can happen, and we can get Reese on stream complaining about random charge distance or, you know... Dark uh, Stellans and... Uh, Everyone and, taking the same list, that would be a good one. And, Knights being and good. then winning the game also. That is the most important factor. In <laughs> Sean actually Reese. hits the nail right on the head. Yeah. In fact, if, if you can get him salty while winning, not even not even like he comes back and wins, but he's actually just winning but still complaining, I mean, that is, that is a, a fine dish that you cannot find almost anywhere else. And it's 
it's something that I feel like everyone should experience. But other than that, um, like I said, I just I, I always enjoy like a Nick Nanabadi game or something like that. There are some really great minds in this game, and they're at this tournament, and it's just such a treat to listen to them and watch them play. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Well, I think that's that's pretty much it. Um, is there any final last words, things you guys want to add at the end, announcements? Tau and huh? stuff. Tau and stuff. Tau and stuff. They don't have close combat. They're, they're dead Shop. to you. Trash. Echoes of the only first real army. On our show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all no, right. I'm, just, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, come to Chapter Tactics the Monday after Nova. I'm actually not going to be going to Nova. I'm going to be staying at home. Um also keeping the fort held down while Reese and Frankie uh, and Mariana go out to Nova and stream. So I'm going to be working frontline game, but that also means that as soon as Nova's over, I will immediately record. I'll probably grab Val and Sean, uh, and then we'll talk about Nova. So we'll have all the all the tournament drama. We have our insider guys that I can that I can text and call and figure out what's going on. So we should have a lot of good coverage the day after Nova, and then of course. Expect a lot of good coverage to come for the rest of the summer. Uh, next week we are gonna have we're gonna do our best to get uh, the ETC head judge on, talk about some some of those ETC floor rules, and then by then hopefully the ITC floor rules will come out. So we'll definitely have to have like a good judge episode where where we talk about procedures and all that good stuff. Should be very exciting. But thanks for listening, guys. You guys are the best listeners ever, and have a good one.